All right, glad you're with us. 95 days. 95 days. We're now at nearly the three-month mark until the most critical, pivotal choice election in American history. And there's so much to get to, so much to talk about. You know, there are times at life in life that I wish I would be wrong. But sometimes I'm just not. I've been doing this for way too long and it's my passion as well, especially presidential politics. And I don't know why I, I like this ever since I was a kid and I'd stay up late at night and I'd listen to the great pioneers of talk radio. Our dear friend, Barry Farber, I often quote him on this program and my parents would yell, shut off the radio. And I'd be like, OK, then I'd hear my father. This is my father walking in the house. Like, you know, okay, Dad, I I can figure out when you're in your room and when you're coming to yell at me for having the radio on. So I just would put it on a little bit lower. Remember, you used to have those little earphones that you like, you you plug it in on the side of a radio and then you put it in, you know, it's like the old transition, transition, uh, what do you call it? Transit, transistor. That's it. That's the word I'm looking for. I talk for a living. Yes. I almost had a Joe Biden moment. All these truths to be self-evident, all men are created equal and doubt by, uh, uh, you know, oh, you we know, all these truths to be thing, the thing, the thing, all men and women created by, go, you know, the, you know, the thing, you know the, yeah, the thing, interesting polls, 95 days out president, 50% latest Rasmussen survey, by the way, most accurate polling operation of 2016, one of just a few, John McLaughlin was right. Scott Rasmussen was right. Uh, Matt Towery was right. This guy that what's his name that does the local polling, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He called all three of them. People thought he was nuts. Uh, He was right. I got a a tag floor. I forget his name. Anyway, president's positivity rating now 50 percent. Oh, I thought that um, he was in trouble. That's what the mob and the media says. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be an emotional roller coaster, ups and downs, and it is it is going to be buckle up. It's going to be rough waters for a lot of days and a lot of insanity. You can see it emerging and unfolding pretty much in all of these cities run by liberal Democrats for decades. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. Live free or die. Four days. We release next week. We got a full schedule on Hannity dot com. Great events. I hope many of you can would think about joining us for some of these events. Uh, Everything from the Nixon and Reagan libraries. I'll be on Life, Liberty, and Levin with Mark Levin. Uh, Greg Jarrett on Fox Nation. I'm going to be on a lot of shows next week on Fox. Looking forward to spending a lot of time. I did a podcast. We're doing a podcast Sunday night with Newt Gingrich. Uh, all of, you know, a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I love, I had planned originally to be able to go out on the road, do radio and TV from wherever city I'm in and meet all of you. And I wish I could do that this time. I've done that in the past and it's been just an amazing honor and experience in my life. And, but with that said, you know, we have to, we have to take into consideration. We got to wipe out this invisible enemy. And I think we will. I know deaths are higher in Florida and they've been up in Texas. You know, one fact, though, remains. If you take the total number of deaths in the state of Florida alone, and then separately take the, the, the total number of deaths in the state of Texas alone. And by the way, I was the one saying from the beginning, yeah, it's not if, it's when we have the rebound. Well, it's, it's predictable. You know, we, we got a lot of things wrong on this virus. All the experts were wrong. All the doctors were wrong. 
Um, all of the models were wrong. Two and a half million Americans are going to die. Okay. And, but then we got things right. The single best decision by anybody in this was made by the president. And that was 10 days after the first identified case of Corona in America. And that's when he put the travel ban in effect. Nobody around him. I've been told by people in the room that there are like 20, 25 people in the room in the Oval Office, I believe, or maybe it was, I don't know where it was, that maybe the Roosevelt room, I'm not sure. But I remember the, them all saying the same thing. There was not one person around the president that said, yeah, that travel ban is a good idea. He did it anyway. Well, it's, we can't calculate. Remember, remember, China put a travel ban in effect. If you lived in Wuhan province, you were banned from traveling to the rest of China. If you were in the rest of China and you wanted to go to Wuhan province, you were banned from doing so. But China then allowed travel from Wuhan to the rest of the world. And look at what it has done to the rest of the world. When it could have all been contained, they contained it for the rest of their country, but not the rest of us. Which, by the way, raises an incredible mystery at the stupidity you know what? Democrats are actually cheerleading, uh, if you can believe it, you know, for China. And they don't want people to have the right to go out and sue China. I'm like, why not? Why not? Because that to me is unbelievable. Now, I'll tell you, then we had the president, you know, because remember in March, you know, you had Comrade de Blasio saying, here's my recommendations. Go here, here and here. March, I think, second through fifth or sixth, whatever. Andrew Cuomo, we're not like other countries. We're New Yorkers. And as New Yorkers, we have the best medical system in the world. Okay, how did that work out, Andrew? Then the dumbest decision made by anybody was, you know, him and then Murphy and Wolf and Whitmer. These executive orders late in March, March 28th. The executive order in New York putting COVID-19 positive patients in nursing homes, long-term care facilities. But if you take the worst day in New York, just one day. Of death, what, over 33,000, I think, now? And you look at the total number in Florida from the beginning to today. And they, they're now at a higher death rate, but we, it looks like it looks like maybe we're beginning to see the flattening. Remember, you want to flatten the curve, then a slow decline, then a precipitous drop, and it's done, and it goes away for the most part. And the same with Texas. But in, but in one day, that's still... Florida doesn't match the one of the worst days in New York. Think about the same with Texas. But that's not the way the mob, they don't want to give DeSantis and Abbott credit. They did two really smart things, and they keep doing it. And that is they went in like laser beams. I know in Florida, DeSantis in particular, you know, partnered with the Villages, America's friendliest hometown, partnered with nursing homes, partnered with long-term care facilities, Literally every state agency was mobilized to help the nursing homes, protect the elderly population. And of course, one death is too many. But he didn't do what Cuomo, Murphy, Whitmer and Wolf did. And he protected the most vulnerable population because out of all the wrong things, that is the one thing that they all actually got right. So anyway, the president's uh, 50 percent approval rating in Rasmussen. Now we see uh, this was an interesting Rasmussen report. And remember, they were, if it's even remotely accurate, the Democratic Party is going to have a lot to answer for on Election Day because the latest Rasmussen report survey 
finds that 50% of likely U.S. voters believe political leaders in some major cities like Portland, Seattle, are encouraging violent protests by limiting the police response. 31% disagree. A sizable 19% not sure. But 55% of all voters believe most reporters identify with the protesters in violent protest situations. Only 5% say most reporters identify more with the police. 33% feel they generally try to be impartial. Voters are far more convinced that the much maligned police have been fighting back uh, too much. Only 29% think the police departments are too aggressive. Slightly more, 34% believe they're not aggressive enough. 30% say the police response in most cases has been about right. Well, if you listen to Barack Obama yesterday, well, the police are using tear gas and batons against peaceful protesters. Let's go to Barack Obama yesterday again. I got a lot to say about this today. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. There are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. All right, there you are. Uh, I don't even know what to say except, you know, a friend of mine was watching. I did this on TV. We did some of it yesterday. We didn't break it down the way we did on TV last night. He goes, you, call, you, you said this. You said that at the end of last year that this is going to happen this year. And I said it happens every two and four years. Rich versus young, old versus poor, black versus white. And we have a history of it. Let's go to the 1998 Missouri radio ad by the Democrats. Listen to this. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote... You allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. When you don't vote, it's not true any of it. What Obama was saying yesterday, by the way, it was a little ironic that when he talked about George Wallace and mentioned Democrats, how ironic is it? He's talking about Democrats. How interesting is it that Obama is advocating for Joe Biden to be president? Joe Biden's great mentor and all the praise that he has heaped over the years on on a former Klansman. A former Klansman. First he compares Wallace and other you know, police officers, law enforcement, federal officers, tear gas and batons on peaceful protesters. Does he not watch the video either? You know, or, you know, look at Joe, look at Joe Biden. Look at Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary praising 
Let's see. A guy by the name of Robert Byrd, the former Klansman, who, again, they praised him. John Lewis was a courageous, historic figure. He, he, Martin Luther King Jr., Joseph Lowry, Andy Young, Hosea Williams, people I knew in Atlanta, not all of them like me. I debated most of them regularly. But they put their lives on the line with peaceful protests, culminating in the Civil Rights Act of 64 and 65. Obama, the same speech, is talking about an honoring John Lewis with, you know, extending the Voting Rights Act. But yet, the candidate for the Democratic Party praised the guy that filibustered the historic legislation that 80% of Republicans in the House and Senate voted for in 64. Although I and my colleagues behind me revere the Senate, uh, Robert C. Byrd elevated the Senate. Well, if there was ever a senator who was the embodiment of his state, there's ever a senator who, in fact, reflected his state. It was Robert C. Byrd. He was fiercely devoted, as you've all heard, to his principles. Even once he became power, he always spoke truth to power. Standing up for the people he proudly was part of. He filibustered the Civil Rights Act, Joe. Pretty, does the, did anyone in the media, will they ever tell anybody that? Or tell anybody that on issues of segregation, integration, that you didn't want your kids going with integration into a racial jungle? I'm going to give you this history, and then we'll have Burgess Owens, Jack Brewer, Leo Terrell all coming up. we got a busy day today. So it, it, it just, you know, think about that. The, the, the Democratic leadership today praises the guy that, that filibustered the Civil Rights Act in 1964. If Donald Trump did that, what do you think you'd hear every second minute hour of the day? If Donald Trump talked about integration and his children and integrated schools and, quote, used the term racial jungle, what would happen? You know, never mind the more recent ridiculous things that Biden has said and even what he said about Barack Obama or you know, going to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts or my state's a slave state. I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond shocking. But it's every two years and it's every four years, and it's predictable. The question is, I like results. Donald Trump delivered results for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. Barack and Joe never did that. They didn't do criminal justice reform. They didn't do police reform. They didn't do opportunity zones. They didn't commit more money for the greatest period of time ever to historically black colleges. Shatter every record low unemployment for especially minorities that were disproportionately negatively impacted by the Biden and uh, Barack economy. They didn't do very well with 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. We'll continue our history lesson on the other side. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Burgess Owens, Jack Brewer, at the Leo Terrell, all coming up. John Solomon, breaking news. Hannity.com, all the events we have scheduled, I hope you can be a part of. And the release of Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink, all there. Hannity.com and our election interactive map. All right, that's uh, just four days. Excited about it. Uh, Linda, somebody just said to me, 
a friend of mine, Bugsy, you know Bugsy. Of course. Uh, that uh, he can't find on the website the list of events we're doing. What's up with that? Well, that's because I haven't finished it, Bugsy. I'm doing the best I can, you know. Are you going to have Hannity's it Sean Hannity's a very demanding boss. Is it going to be up tonight? It is, is going to be, be up tonight. The long and but, the short of it is we're, we're converting every in real life event to virtual tour dates. Okay. So I have to get everybody to get the link up on their site before I can provide it on ours. But I promise you that there will be dates up there tonight. Okay. By what time? Okay. Okay. Any time after the show, it's... Six Eastern, three Pacific. You know, I like to keep people on their toes. Just keep oh, coming okay. back to Hannity.com. There's wonderful things to see there. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, the amazing thing, and, and anyway, 25, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. We have wonderful events. We, we do hope a lot of you can join us. Stuff with the Reagan Library and the Nixon Library. I mean, I don't want to give it all away. We've, we talked about it yesterday. We'll have it up on Hannity.com. A lot of great shows um, we're doing long form interviews. Oh, oh, oh don't forget, Bill O'Reilly's not giving me a cupcake interview next week. He says it's not going to be a cupcake interview. <laughs> he just cracks me up. He had to tell me like 15 times, Hannity, this isn't going to be a cupcake interview. I'm like, what is but a cupcake interview? What's that? You wouldn't have it any other way. You two have that, uh, you know, friendly No, I'm just banter. trying to, I'm like, Bill, what is a cupcake interview? I'm like, I've never had a cupcake interview in my life. What is a cupcake interview? Oh, we have a perfect example of cupcake interviews. Uh, all the ones that were done for Obama the entire time he was no, office. No, that's just true. Just always remember Jeff Zeleny, you know, how The only one that pushed Obama you? ever was O'Reilly, in fairness to him. The only that's one. ridiculous. I would have loved to ask him about Ayers and Dorn and Wright and black liberation theology. It's just a guy from the neighborhood, Sean. Just the guy from the neighborhood, Arizona. I, I started my political career in their house, unrepentant domestic terrorist in the New York Times of all days, 9-11, 2001, wishing that he did more acts of terror. We wish I wish we did more, you know, or Alinsky, community organizing, Acorn. What is a community? What is a community organizer? Still don't know. Nobody uh, knows we, what that is. Frank Marshall Davis, the Chum Gang. Yeah, the only question he got about Ayers and Dorn is the one I fed him. I fed, not him, fed uh, Stephanopoulos before a debate. Now, George never heard of Ayers and Dorn before the, the day before he had the debate. He was moderating that Obama was it. Just a, just a guy in the neighborhood, George. And I'm like listening, and I'm like, how do you not know this? Why, you know, but then it's like, but it's a whole different place. So a friend of mine saying to me, Hannity, how do you know? How did you know that, that, you know, the, that this divisive campaign would unfold, unfold exactly as you said. I said, because it happens every two and four years. And it's sad. And it, by the way, it's hurtful. It hurts the country. You know, one glorious nation under God. You know, I know I've said this. I've, I've, the only one I think that kept scrolling names, you know, Barack's home city, Chicago. He's president. Violence. People shot, same thing, every weekend, every weekend, every weekend. People killed. Names you'd never heard of. It's amazing how many innocent people get shot and killed, and you never hear their names. Why? Why don't we hear, why do we only hear some names and not everybody's name? Because I guess you can't use it as a political weapon or for a political agenda. You know, it's uh, all these things that were said yesterday that are just not true turning a eulogy literally into a campaign event and and one that is divisive as as I've ever heard remember the Paul Wellstone rally from years ago more memorial service of him listen to this I am begging you please 
let the people of this state hear your voice on his behalf to keep his legacy alive and help us win this election for Paul Wellstone. And then, you know, the well, the, the federal police are are literally they're, they're going after peaceful protesters with with tear gas and batons. That's not happening. And he talks about, you know, guys like George Wallace. They may be gone. You mean the Democrat standing in front of the schoolhouse door? I wonder if Barack Obama knows the history of even Joe Biden. And I wonder if he knows about the praise that that some of the people that he's friends with were, you know, singing the praises that we played in the last half hour of Robert Byrd, the former Klansman that was filibustering the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. You know, and federal, federal government sending agents in to use tear gas and batons against peaceful protesters. And he raising his voice, you know, and... Talking about we may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar to cast a ballot. Even as we sit here, those in power doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws. Well, by the way, if you wanted to ever go to one of Barack Obama's conventions, 2008 and 12, guess what? I needed a photo ID to get in the building. People knew. People used to say, hi, Mr. Hannity. Uh, we need your ID. Where's your pass? And I showed them. I follow the rules. I'm a rule follower. Obey the laws. Pay all my taxes. Boy, if I didn't pay my taxes, forget it. I'm paying everything. Beyond. Way beyond. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, that's these things are not happening. Attacking our rights and our with surgical precision. Undermining the Postal Service and the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so that people don't get sick. Wow. I mean, the whole thing. Then he talks about, you know, naming the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And I, I just, you know, when you go through the history, what part of Obama thought it was peaceful when 59 police officers were injured? Well, I'm sorry, federal, you know, officers injured last weekend. Almost 2,000 injured now. You've seen all the video from all of these cities all have one thing in common, run by liberal Democrats for decades. And we, you know, what have we watched? We watched them only come outside, the federal agents, an AP reporter embedded with federal agents saying in Portland, yeah, they only came out when the building was under attack. To defend the courthouse, federal property. They're not there to bring law in order to those cities because the mayors won't let the president restore law and order. They care more about saying horrible things about the president than they do about protecting their own citizens. You know, you have what police officers hit with bricks and rocks and bottles 
and frozen water bottles and Molotov cocktails and canes. And now they're talking about hockey sticks. All of it. Peaceful protesters? I don't think so. What about the high-powered lasers that have now blinded three, it looks like, three federal officials, uh, officers, permanently used by the peaceful protesters? You know, 60 something, we're heading on 70 days of nonstop, endless protesting uh, and violence and mayhem. Look at the Seattle police chief. What this woman was phenomenal this week, but so sad. Yeah, if there's another riot, if you own a business or you have a residence, we're not going to be able to send our police in to protect you because they won't allow the police to use the methods in which they've been trained to disperse violent crowds. What a what a what a moment that is. How did the Chaz Chop Autonomous Spaghetti Potluck Dinner uh, Summer of Love Zone do? Yeah, people died there. Many others injured. How did it work out in Atlanta when the, the two blocks were taken over another autonomous zone by the Wendy's when people there? I, I actually had Steve Harrigan. Bravely went there live on Hannity, interviewed these guys with their AR-15s in front of the Wendy's. That was a week and a half before this eight-year-old little girl was shot and killed because her mom made a wrong turn. Or the one-year-old little boy killed in Brooklyn in a stroller outside a park. Lawrence Jones interviewed the father and the grandmother. Or the seven-year-old that beautiful girl killed in Chicago at her grandma's house on 4th of July weekend. What about, you know, what's the total going to be Monday when we come back in terms of violence in Chicago this weekend? Because it's, I think it's been 70, 64, and 59, including a 10 and 11-year-old shot, what, last weekend? You know, is it going to be three dead or 13 dead or 15 dead? Could they, do we not have the ability to stop this? Mayor Lightfoot doesn't rejects the president's help. You got chaos all over New York City. What are they doing to restore order in New York? Nothing. Cutting the police a billion dollars in the street crime unit, the most effective policing tool eliminated in New York City. Old people being beaten up on the streets, income the drug addicts shooting up on the streets. And we're not talking about, you know, in remote places in New York. We're talking about midtown Manhattan and the prestigious upper east side of Manhattan. What's going to happen to the city as a result of this or Portland or Seattle? You want to move to these cities? You want to move to Los Angeles? I don't think so. You know, all these promises, the new Green Deal, how has it worked out the promises they made on Obamacare when millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plans? On average, we're all paying 200% more. We're supposed to save $2,500 a year per family, and there's nearly 40% of the country now that has one Biden-Obamacare option, just one. No other options. Sad. How's that Social Security promise working out? How's the Medicare promise working out? Because they're going bankrupt. How's the promise for good schools in these cities working out? Because we spend more per capita than any other country, industrialized country on Earth. We come in like 37th and 40th. 13 public high schools. High schools, not kids. 13 public high schools in Baltimore. Third highest per capita in this country, which means the world. Spent on students. Not one child proficient in math. 
Is that acceptable? You don't have law, order, safety, security, and an education. You are shut out of opportunity in this country. This is basic. This is fundamental. And the one thing in common, all of these cities and most of the states, but all of the cities, 98% of the, the states are blue states run by Democrats, liberal Democrats for decades. You know what I call this? A preview of coming attractions. You know, why, why, why is there this compulsion of Joe and Obama and Wheeler and Lightfoot and Durkin and Comrade de Blasio to demonize the police, the 99%, as hard as I on this program went after the FBI and those that abuse power, those with the corrupt, I always, I always distinguish those, that small percentage versus the 99 good pe- percent of good people. I said it till the cows came home because I didn't want them to be vilified with a broad sweeping brush that's unfair. You know, the James Bird ad, I won't play it. I was going to play it. I'm not going to bother. It's like my father was killed all over again. George Bush supported the death penalty. For the people involved in the horrific and evil dragging death of an innocent man. The death penalty. Well, he doesn't support hate crimes legislation. Well, the death penalty kind of transcends that. Al Gore, you know, Republicans don't even want to count you in the census. They got a wrong agenda. You know, I don't feel no ways tired, Hillary. They're going to put you all back in chains, Biden's saying. McCain accused of racism. Romney accused of racism. It's every two years, every four years. Did the full history last night. But does Obama even know that the filibuster that he, you know, he says we need to get rid of it, a relic of the Jim Crow era? Does he even know that the guy supporting for president, Joe Biden, worked hand in hand with the guy that wanted to to uh, uh, that wanted a slow integration he talked about racial jungles as kids in school nbc he led the charge talking about biden on the issue that kept black students away from the classrooms of white students he worried his children would grow up in a quote racial jungle does he know that the guy that filibustered the civil rights act voting rights act that he wanted to honor john lewis with That Biden called him the dean of the Senate, a close friend and a mentor. Pelosi, Schumer, Bill and Hillary all said the same thing. And Robert, the former Klansman Byrd and Al Gore Sr. filibustered the Civil Rights Act. That people, really transformative, courageous people made happen. Including John Lewis and Martin Luther King Jr. and Joseph Lowry. I never thought Andy Young liked me, but he was he's a good man. These are brave people. Help make us a more perfect union, but it wouldn't have happened if their mentor had their way. This this is now the crazy days of an election year. Buckle up, it's gonna get worse. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. There are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws 
and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. All right, that was the eulogy given by Barack Obama uh, for John Lewis. Uh, The amazing thing is that he talked about politicians from years gone by, and he was talking about Democrats. John Lewis, I, I, I met all of these great civil rights leaders and pioneers that marched with Martin Luther King Jr. When I was in Atlanta, it was an education. First day on the air, I got a welcome to the city of Atlanta from the mayor at the time, Maynard Jackson. He was on my radio show many, many times. Uh, SCLC founder uh, Joe Lowry, also uh, out there in the front lines, peaceful protesting. Selma Montgomery facing dogs and fire hoses. In the case of John Lewis, he, he sadly had his skull broken with a brick. But they made this a more perfect union. They did it, and successfully, the, it, the ensuing result of that was the 64 Civil Rights Act, the 65 Voting Rights Act, and yet the guy that's at the top of the ticket for the Democrats is out there praising, as well as Schumer and Pelosi, all praising, and Clinton, both Bill and Hillary, praising the guy that was filibustering the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Uh, And that is Robert Byrd, by the way, Al Gore's father, who said Republicans don't even want to count you in the census. That guy, his father was nowhere to be found. And I'm just wondering, you know, if Donald Trump praised the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act, that brave pioneers. and, And I disagreed politically. Hosea Williams became a friend of mine, friend of Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Joel Lowry and I, we had so many contentious political battles, but great respect. I had great respect for the man. I'm, I, I, I'm, he's a hero. I don't agree with anything politically with John Lewis, but what he did and all those that participated, and there were people of all backgrounds and races that marched, and they did it peacefully under the worst conditions, and they helped make this a better country. Now, the beauty of our system is that we can right wrongs and correct injustices. We fought a civil war in large part over an issue called slavery. Uh, Mark Levin did a great job last night on Hannity laying out all of the varying civil rights uh, acts that had been presented over time in Congress and a battle that had been fought. Are we there yet? No, no way. Have we made a lot of progress? Yep. We have a lot more progress to make. I believe we do. But I also look at results. There's a lot of rhetoric by a lot of people that are running for office. Combined Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, those that praised the guy filibustering the Civil Rights Act of 64, they have 125 years combined swamp experience. What is the record of of Biden in 47 years? Can you name one accomplishment? Name one specific thing that made this a better country, or Pelosi or Schumer for that matter. You look at Donald Trump, I can tell you what he did. I can tell you specifically what he did for African Americans. He shattered every record. That, that uh, in terms of low unemployment, one record after another, after another, after another. And he did it for every demographic group, including African-American youth unemployment. It's so important for every kid to have a job in the summer. If, it, if I didn't have a job in the summer, I mean, I was incorrigible. 
I was with my dopey friends getting in trouble every day. And thank God that those jobs have come back. Now they're going to come back at once we get on the other side of, of, of the coronavirus, worst pandemic since 1918. And, uh, but I didn't notice that Barack Obama, you know, that, that, that's a glaring omission to me. Anyway, they're going to be with us for the full hour. Uh, by the way, very proud of our friend uh, Burgess Owens, former NFL player. Uh, he was part of the 1980 Super Bowl winning Oakland Raiders, Raiders lineup. I mean, he just, I mean, just an amazing gladiator. I love the gladiator sports of football and MMA. I'm just, I'm so in, I just envy the skill, the talent, the, the courage of every athlete. Um, he now, he won the primary and he's now officially uh, in it to win the fourth congressional district out in Utah. We strongly endorse his candidacy. He's a wonderful man. Uh, we have also with us Jack Brewer, former American football safety, played professionally for the Vikings, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cardinals, at the Leo Terrell on Twitter, 2.0 Leo. Leo, we'll start with you because this was supposed to be a eulogy for a man that actually, you know, bravely helped cause change. But the guy that is running for the Democrats praised the guy that tried to stop the change that people like John Lewis and Martin Luther King Jr. and Joe Lowry and Hosea Williams fought for. You know, Sean, I'll tell you right now, first of all, thanks for having me on today. Uh, John Lewis did some great things in the 50s and 60s, Voting Rights Act. Uh, those acts were very And the important. Civil Rights Act, yeah. Civil Rights Act of 1960, very, very important. And what he did in the 60s, a peaceful demonstration, fantastic. What President Obama did yesterday was an embarrassment. Uh, Al Sharpton might be happy about it. But what he did was, and I know that lawyer's trick, he manipulated facts, used that pulpit as a campaign platform, manipulated facts, trying to demonize George Wallace. As you correctly said, Wallace was a Democrat. And he tried to claim that somehow make the analogy that Wallace is Trump, not even close. And what is embarrassing and insulting, the Kool-Aid was drank by all the members in the congregation. What is happening right now is race politics is being played and will be played for the next 90-plus days. And the Democrats will try to demonize the Republicans. They can't. Because President Trump has a record to run on regarding his help and assistance and, and contributions to the African-American community in the form of employ unemployment being lowered, uh, the fact that the First Step Act, the fact that he Well, you're talking about criminal justice reform, police reform, opportunity reform. zones, the largest yeah. amount of money, longest commitment to historically black colleges. Uh, these, are, these are real accomplishments. Those are solid accomplishments, and, and the African and the Democratic Party have nothing to run on. Biden, Schumer, and, and, and Pelosi have done nothing but pander. I don't need them to take a knee in African garb. That doesn't change things for the better. Donald Trump is making this country a more perfect union, and he has a long way to go, and he needs another four years, and you're right. I'm voting for him. All right, Burgess uh, Owens, uh, your thoughts on all of this is a lot to absorb here. Your thoughts about Barack Obama's comments, the, you know, the, the atmosphere of where he was when he said it. And um, we see this every two and four years. I laid this out in the first hour. I laid it out on TV last night. Well, you know, Leo just, just nailed it. And, and you guys have we've, we've all highlighted the success of President Trump. And you're right, there's a record that is drawing Americans to him. Here's the thing that, that we can say about America and our history. We're the people, the most powerful three words in the history of mankind, defines who we are. 
We are people that love to come together. We love harmony. We will, every single generation, we get better and better looking at each other from inside out versus outside in. The radical left is just the opposite of that. You see, we have the greatest opportunity to see there's no gray anymore. There's a side that's about destruction, darkness, division, hatred, racism. That is the, that, that is the radical left. America is all about opportunity, faith, light. Um, green. And that's what America will come to when, 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 in this election period. We're going to innately do what we do within our, within our DNA. We're going to vote for hope, dream, and our future, and our kids. Not for the devious left that wants to divide us. They don't understand who we are, and it'll be very obvious in November 2020. We're going to define very strongly what we represent. It is not the devious left hard uh, uh, hatred that, that, that's coming out of the Democratic Party today. Jack Brewer, your take on all of this. I mean, thanks for having me, Sean. Uh, great to be on this panel with all you great well, Thank you. When you hear the hypocrisy coming out of the lips of Barack Obama, for him to be sitting in a church full of people and then have the audacity to talk about the need to send in mail-in ballots, like a polling station would be any more dangerous than that church that they were sitting in full of people. It's unbelievable how... Hypocrisy has taken over the Democratic Party. They can't. They they want to tear down statues of other Democrats and pretend as if they're Republicans. They want to go in in the same very policies that they claim to stand against. They put in in place, and that it, it scares me because we're fighting for the soul of the nation. It scares me because really the kids that are out there, the young minority kids, the fatherless kids. All the people that are tuning in to MSNBC and CNN, I know a lot of them, Sean. People are listening to this garbage, and they use emotion. They use identity to brainwash the public. And we got to stand up against this. Our whole task, all of us as men, as men of God, our task should be to do whatever we can to communicate, not to our own people, not to the conservatives, not to the right. we got to communicate to the vulnerable left the people whose lives are really being affected by this garbage. You know, it happens every two, every four years. Divide the country, old, young, rich, poor, uh, black, white. I mean, I've gone through the history a number of times. You know, for the people that might find it appealing, uh, Leo Terrell, that government is going to handle everything you need, education, vacation, guaranteed job, health care, school, uh, retirement, uh, government, healthy food. Okay. I guess maybe, Oh, I don't have any more worries in my life. Well, how's social security and Medicare doing? They're both going broke. How is, how's law and order and safety and security in cities run by liberal Democrats for decades? Well, we see what's what our eyes, our eyes don't lie. What's unfolding every day. How's that educational system in those same cities run by liberal Democrats for decades? Well, the worst in the world, especially when you consider per capita how much we spend. Well, you know, Sean, the education system in democratic cities, let me put it in one word, sucks. It's horrible because the unions have dominated the politics and give money to these democratic mayors. Let me be as clear as possible. Jack hit it on the head. We got to go into these battleground states, into these minority communities, because the Democrats are playing on emotions and, 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 and pandering to identity. What Craig Melvin did, a black man tried to ask another black man, Vernon Jordan, how much are you getting paid? Are you getting paid? I have received zero because I believe in saving this country. And you know what else is very important? I don't want to hear now from the government. We got four men on this radio program right now who believe in hard work, 
personal responsibility and the right to decide what he wants to do. And we're all successful because we work hard. And that's the American way. And that's what we need to Hold. do for the next 90 days for the president. Burgess, let me pick you off. We'll play the, on the other side of the, the news at the bottom of the hour, the, the cut that Leo was referring to. But, you know, why are these liberal cities failing? Why do they always make lofty promises and they can't even give us safety, security and a decent education in these liberal cities run by Democrats for decades? Well, it's simple. It's because it's run by socialists and Marxists. Uh, and, and, and to that point, it's important that we know our history. And this is why, as we, the people, understand, I grew up in, Leo and I grew up in a time with, with separate but equal uh, period. But we had very, very proud parents who taught us yes. education was key, faith was it, industry, go out there and you work harder than the next guy, and family was everything. That was the core of what makes any American who can, who can really join the, Amer- the, the middle class within a generation if they had to tie themselves to those tenants. You go to these places where they, the leftists have overseen their, the, uh, the population. You see no, no education, no faith, no, no industry, no self-sufficiency, and they've turned the family unit upside down. If you really understand the fact is, if you want to see pure evil, look at the ideology of the, of the radical left. They use misery as a political, uh, political strategy. They love to see people miserable so they get power. And, and, power, and power and profitability always uh, uh, trumps uh, patriotism when it comes to the hard left. So just know who we're dealing with. It doesn't matter, by the way, whether it's Antifa or those, 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 those protests, violent protests on the streets, or the corporate cowards that we see in, in NFL and, and NBA and, and Google. Those, those are the same type, type of people. They care about the profit and the profitability and their power versus the American people. And that's a consistency about with, with the leftists. We need to stand up against it, and we the people come together, no matter what part, what part of the hour we're on, Democrat, Independent, or Republican, those who love our country, let's come together and de- defeat the evil of the hard left. All right, we're not going to forget our friend Jack Brewer. Uh, we're going to do this again for the, for the back half hour of the program. I'll play that cut that Leo referred to earlier, uh, that exchange with Vernon, uh, what was it, Vernon Jones, I believe, uh, on MSDNC. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Hannity.com for election information. I mean, early voting. When does it start? Absentee voting. How do you do that? Who's your congressional candidate? We have an interactive map. So uh, we'll get to all of that. More with Burgess Owens, Jack Brewer, at the Leo Terrell on Twitter, and your calls coming up. Uh, John Solomon with some breaking news as well. Quick break right back on this Friday. Only 95 days till Election Day. Live free or die out Tuesday. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. We'll continue. All right. Hannity.com, Amazon.com. We have up there also uh, how we are doing. It's a little different than the last book I did 10 years ago. But the moment matters. Everything's on the line as far as I'm concerned. There's never been a bigger choice election. If the stated policies of Biden... Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC, Schumer, Pelosi, and Bozo, the gun czar confiscation guy, if they're implemented, it will be a disaster. These are promises they're making. You have nothing to worry about from the minute you're born to the minute you die. The only problem is it's called science and math. They'll never fulfill the promise, just like Social Security, Medicare, Obamacare, in most of these cities run by liberal Democrats for decades, they can't keep people safe. Kids in strollers that are one years old, you know, kids at their, their grandma's house on on the 4th of July weekend or the Chaz Chop Summer of Love Zone. This this heart wrenching interview that I had with Horace Lorenzo Anderson, Sr., who lost his 19 year old son or the eight year old little girl that died in Atlanta. 
you know, or, you know, and I brought this up all during the Obama Biden years. I used to scroll the names of nobody ever heard of of shooting victims and those that died from the from the violence, the war zone that is Chicago, while while Obama's hometown, it was all happening while he was president. He barely mentioned it. Same with Joe. And I'd scroll these names. I'd be like, hello, these are real people. These are our fellow Americans. It's a war zone. They're getting shot. Hello, somebody wake up. But of course, they went into full denial. But everything's Donald Trump's fault now. Uh, anyway, we continue. Burgess Owens is with us. By the way, now he won the primary, now is up for Utah's 4th Congressional District. This is a winnable seat for Burgess Owens and Republicans. And he'd be an incredible, incredible addition in the House of Representatives. And, and he has my full support, unless he tells me he doesn't want it because it'll hurt his chances. But I'm asking everybody in Utah in the 4th District, you know, Burgess Owens is will be the best representative you've ever had. That I can promise you. Jack Brewer, former American football safety. By the way, one of the hardest jobs in football as far as I'm concerned. I uh, played for the Vikings, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cardinals, at the Leo Terrell. Leo mentioned earlier Craig Melvin and Vernon Jones, an exchange that took place on MSDNC. This is very revealing, this exchange, and we'll get their reaction on the other side. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Are you a paid campaign surrogate? Are you being compensated by the... Let me be clear. You get paid to shape a liberal narrative. You get paid to attack this president. It's I don't a get a question. dime for this president. I don't get a dime from the campaign. That You only ask me that because I don't fit your narrative. What, no, this what, president what is, never offered anything. I don't want anything from this president. It's what I can do for my country. And you need to accept that many other African Americans and others support this president because of his policies. And to insult me to say, am I getting paid? Uh, that's that the is same question. Wow, that was a powerful rebuttal. Jack Brewer, your thoughts? Man, you know what? When I listen to that and I think about the brainwashing that's going on, I'm so glad that Vernon, I was actually with him that same day in D.C. I'm so glad that he responded that way. And I'm going to take this time on this show to acknowledge Burgess Owens. Uh, Almost four years ago, I had a confrontation with Burgess on TV. (laughs) And 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 I whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down. Wait, you had a confrontation. Wait, you had a confrontation with, with what? With Burgess Owens, I had a confrontation when we were talking about kneeling, Sean. And I ah. came on your show as well, Sean. Yeah, and okay. I was still brainwashed. I was completely brainwashed, and, and Burgess started seeing Marxists, and he was using these terms that I really didn't even understand because I had been brainwashed. And as I started doing more and more research. I realized that I was dead wrong on that TV screen. And I apologize to you, brother. But what you taught me, what you taught me was the fact that if we don't start listening to men, to wise men, our wise men like Leo, our wise men like Burgess and you, Sean, you got to teach a population right now. This is a call to action. It's not just about talking to who's listening to us. You heard what they're doing on the TV screens in this mainstream media. I teach kids in underserved public schools. I run programs and I fund programs. And to see the fact that these public schools are spending $20,000, $25,000 per kid per year, yet these young black kids can't even 
read and write. We got a huge issue. Of hey, you, by the way, you know how bad it gets, Jack? Guess what? The third highest per capita city in America spending per student on education is the city of Baltimore. All right. What percentage? I'll let you guys all venture a guess. Leo might know the answer because he's he's he watches me more closely. What percentage of kids in those 13 public high schools do you believe are proficient in? Let's start with math. What percentage do you think? Zero. I'll say I'll say I'll say under I'll say under 15 or 10 under 15 percent. What do you think, Jack? I think it's 38 percent. And I do work in in that community and it's terrible. What do you think, Burgess? Burgess, you're. I think, I think I think those thirteen in Baltimore are zero, zero proficiency in math, particularly. There's not one child proficient in math, not one, not one. This is our national treasure. This is our future. Yeah. Not one, Jack. Not well, one. I'll tell you right. You know what? Uh, being a former school teacher, that's an embarrassment. That's an outright embarrassment. I want to be as clear as possible. And we have to, you know. We're talking to an audience that's already for Trump. We got to get in those battleground states. Back to Craig Melvin, a black man asking another black man if he's being paid. What is the impression there? Is trying to accuse Bernard of being a sellout. This type of mindset being used by Democrats and white liberals is embarrassing and ridiculous. I got to get myself on those networks to challenge these guys because we got to get the margin of victory in these battleground states in favor of Donald Trump. Because we're talking to the to 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 to, to, the, to, to our own choir right now. We got to make sure Democrats and people of color understand that they have to stop drinking the Kool Aid like I did because I've been in battles with you guys. For, for years, all three of you, and I woke up, and I am I am clear-minded. And- Burgess, I want you to react to what Jack just said, though, about I thought that was powerful what he said to you. It, it was. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I reflect back on that. And that's why I have so much respect for Jack. Uh, and and, and he, here's what I want, I want America to recognize. We had a very, very positive moment. Jack, Leo, and myself were all once Democrats. But we woke up. Why? Because in, in our growth, we were taught critical thinking skills. We, we started to, we were taught to ask those questions, why? I'm, I'm going to say this. We have black Americans now waking up across the country. And as we, as we bring back our community from the hard left, from the socialists and Marxists, my promise is this. Be aware. As we bring our community back, we bring our country back. It will be black Americans, Hispanic Americans, and those who have in the past been used by the left that's going to truly bring back our country to the greatness that it should be. Because as we wake up, they have no place else to go. We will, we will draw ourselves education to faith, to industry, and to family like no others because we understand what it is to be hopeless. And once you give hopeless people hope, watch out. They're going to be the greatest advocates for Americans. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm proud of all you guys on this, on this, uh, on this call because we represent the future of our nation as we wake up to what the hard left has always done in our country. They try to destroy us. And after all these decades, they're finding out we have a president who's pulling back the curtain, and they're going crazy. Realize how close they are. I'm talking to three African-American men that have 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 made it to the pinnacle of their careers that are amazing men that also are, 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 you know, they believe, as I do, in God, the creator. You know, what do we believe in? Natural rights that were endowed by this creator. You know, the thing that Joe Biden talks about, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All things are uh, that all men and women are created. Uh uh, by the thing, you know, the thing <laughs> endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Guys, let me tell you one thing. If you don't have safety, security, law and order, 
and you have the disastrous public school systems, so as we do in all of these cities we're talking about, well, guess what? The rungs of the ladder to success are dead and gone. And we owe it to every child in this country, our national treasure in every city, to keep them safe and make sure they can do reading, writing, math, and know some history. It's not that complicated. Are you a paid campaign surrogate? Are you being compensated by Let me be clear. You get paid to shape a liberal narrative. You get paid to attack this president. I don't get a dime for this president. I don't get a dime from the campaign that. You only ask me that because I don't fit your narrative. All right, as we continue, Burgess Owens, Jack Brewer, and at the Leo Terrell uh, with us. All right, let me get to a call here. If people want to weigh in on this. Uh, Michelle is in North Carolina. We'll be watching North Carolina early in 95 days. Michelle, glad you called. Say hi to Burgess, Jack, and Leo. Hello, man. It is such a pleasure and an honor to talk with you. I have to completely agree. Here in North Carolina, we desperately need your prayers and we need motivation. Um, I would say a couple of things. One is absolutely the educational system in the United States has become just as strong of a leftist arm and a leftist voice as the mainstream media. And I think that it's time for us to take back our schools in order for us to take back America. And I also wanted to speak out as the um, uh, talking about the funeral um, for um, for yesterday that um, that uh, Obama went to speak to. And I just felt like it's really important for us to remember what, what has made America great is the opportunity that we have in America. And what we need to start focusing on is men and women who have overcome great adversity to become honest, law-abiding, honorable citizens in our nation. And it doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter what political party that we're in. But in order for us to be united as a nation, they should be focusing on what makes an American an American and what makes people great. And what unites us is when we all use the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has given to us, and we use them to serve in our communities. It's not about us. It's not about each individual. But I'm telling you, this victimization and this lying and this pitting everybody against one another. It's sad to me. It's sad that at 9-11, when you look at the atrocity that happened in 9-11 and the difficulties that we faced, we came together as Americans, and we were proud to be Americans, and we were proud and thankful for the blessing that it is to be a citizen of this nation. And in just 19 short years, we are once again going back to what we came from in the 1950s, to what all these great civil rights activists fought for, and they were willing to lay down their lives for, for people to be treated as human beings made in the image of God, and we are all one human race. And so this, this, is, this is it. This is the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, I couldn't say it any better, and I agree with that. Uh, I'm speechless. I, let me, let me, well, let me ask. You know, we have every two, four years, I, I went through the history last night and earlier today, we have the, you know, the division, the, the race card played. I'm sick of it because if any conservative that is racist, I want nothing to do with that person. Nothing. I have no use for ignorant and stupid uh, people. Uh, and with that said, but I also believe we all, all are endowed by our creator. We all have education from the Latin means to bring forth from within. That means God put it there. Now, how do we get it out of, uh, out of these young kids? Well, you get them out of these failing public schools, and they won't even let you out, Burgess. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. To, to, to the last the person just speaking a minute ago, 
you know what, what we've always done great is when we realize that we're in a fight, we have, we have a nation that's, that's, that is, uh, we, we're eternal optimists. We'll go out and dream, we'll build, we're making things happen. We sometimes forget we're at risk at all times until we have a 9-11 or Pearl Harbor or what's happening right now. What's happening today is going to be the most uniting factor force for the independents, Republicans and the Democrats who love our country. They're beginning to see who hates industry, who hates the middle class, who hates uh, education for our kids. It's always the same party. It's always the same leadership, the, the, the hard, radical left. And so for my Democratic friends, let's have a conversation about how to move our country forward. Let's come together for once and say, you know what, we're not going to worry about party or politics politicians. We're going to worry about our values and principles first. We put that first, put our kids first, and I tell you, we're going to come together, and 2020 is going to be the greatest uh, uh, turning point in our country's history. We're going, to, we're going to win back the House, get a Senate with some backbone, and allow our president to put policy All right, in place. I've got to take a break here, but uh, that's the 4th Congressional District, Utah, uh, Burgess Owens, uh, Jack Brewer. Uh, amazing, amazing comments you made today. Thank you. Leo, 2.0, um, uh, how great was it, by the way, that I connected you on air with the president of the United States? By the way, that I never got to thank you. You're welcome. I was You're going welcome. to call you or text you, but I was so shocked. I'm still in shock. By the so, way, thank I, you. I, hey, Jack and, and Burgess, you would think I would have got a, hey, Hannity, thanks a lot. You know, not, oh not even a word, not even a peep out of Leo. Oh, my God. I was shocked. Oh, my oh God. man. All right. All right. Love you all. God bless you all. And uh, thanks for all you're doing for the country. You're amazing people. All of you. Just uh, four days. That's Tuesday. We launch next week. A lot of stuff we're doing. A lot of appearances pretty much everywhere. A lot of things that you can participate in. All the information on Hannity.com. Uh, the book on Amazon.com as well. Uh, excited to to be able to connect with as many of you as possible. Uh, also, uh, just 95 days till Election Day. So we have been following what is the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history. The person has been most dogged about this from day one and never took his foot off the gas is John Solomon. We're going to get to in a second. He now has his new website, by the way, Just the News, and his new book is out, by the way. And anyway, so you have Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Charles Grassley, sending letters this week to the CIA, the State Department, the Director of National Intelligence. Um, and what they are now demanding is that they're signaling the scope of their probes has now expanded with recent revelations. We've had a lot of them. And we'll go through all of this in great detail in just a minute. Um, but first, I just want to start with this. There's something going on, as we mentioned earlier in the week, all of the things that were said about Christopher Steele, we now know that everybody knew early, before even the first FISA application, that Steele was not to be trusted. I mean, Steele himself telling the, the State Department's Kathleen Kavlak that uh, he had a political agenda, and that was to see that Donald Trump's not elected. Uh, we now know from the subsource that, yeah, oh boy, yeah, that was bar talk. And now we've learned from documents that, in fact, in August, when supposedly the the presidential campaign of Donald Trump was getting a defense briefing, that it was really just a ruse. It was it was literally Operation Crossfire Hurricane uh, delving into uh, whether they can get information on Donald Trump incriminating him with Russia when there was no suggestion, evidence in any way, shape, matter, or form. And it got worse from there. 
We, we know now all of this was BS. We know from notes of Strzok that he knew it was BS, but they all did it anyway. We know that documents were altered. We know that people were warned. Anyway, this is James Baker. Uh, oh, and it turns out that this <laughs> that the, the main source was from the Brookings Institute. Had been there for a while. Uh, not from Russia. But James Baker lying on this cut we're going to play. And then, of course, Comey. Steele dossier was the fact that convinced the lawyers to move forward with the FISA application. He knew it was false and was warned repeatedly it was false. Another James Comey lie. Listen. So what is your view of the way the, the, the FBI interacted with Steele and how we should understand what his role was here? Well, that's a big question. So, um, look, the investigation was not predicated on the basis of the information that Christopher Steele gave to us in the form of the dossier. That is just not was not my understanding at the time and has never been my understanding. So just to say that flat out. Uh, Steele, at the time, my understanding was that he was thought to be a reliable source that had a had, had a prior relationship with the FBI and brought this information to us. Look, with, I don't know how to say this other than, we're not stupid, right, the FBI. We're not stupid. You take the information and you try to vet it. And that, my recollection is, we spent a lot, we, the Bureau, uh, the folks in the Counterintelligence Division, spent a lot of time trying to vet that information line by line. Well, you don't see a difference between it's part of a broader mosaic and it was the it played an essential role in establishing probable it, cause? It was one of... A bunch of different facts that were assembled to apply to the court. It was the one that convinced the lawyers that they had enough now with that added to the pile to go forward. I guess the question is, it seemed that you were minimizing the role of the of the Steele dossier, and he's saying it's a lot more important than you let on. Okay, if I was, then I'm sorry that I did that, but I meant it, it was one part of the presentation to the court. It was not a huge part of the presentation to the court, but it was the fact, according to his report, that convinced the lawyers to go forward. Well, as deputy director said before the House Intelligence Committee and elsewhere, but for the dirty Russian dossier, there would not have been a FISA warrant application, that it was critical to have it. All right, here with us, uh, John Solomon is with us, Fox News contributor, editor-in-chief, justthenews.com. Uh, okay, and then the comments by Grassley and Ron Johnson, uh, the dossier was spying. Yeah, there's no doubt, Sean. Uh, you know, people have been saying it for a long time. Remember where we were, 2018, when Devin Nunes suggested it was spying and people were mocking him. Now everybody realizes it was spying. They were recording the words that the president was asking in his briefing, including comments about his son that have nothing to do with intelligence gathering. They were spying on Donald Trump. They were spying on Mike Flynn. And the media, the Democrats, gave us a bad story for three years. The good news is, if you listen to Sean Hannity, you have had it right all this time. But uh, now the most important thing, this escalation, these new document requests from uh, Grassley and Johnson, they're going somewhere where no one else was willing to go before. And that is, what did the CIA know? What was the CIA doing with uh, uh, the FBI? What warnings were they giving the FBI that they were off course? And perhaps the most exciting of all the areas, if the Devin Nunez classified report the report that analyzed what's known as the Intelligence Committee Assessment, the conclusion that Russia was really trying to help Trump and hurt Hillary, which a lot of people now dispute. Devin Nunes has done a classified report picking that apart, revealing, I believe, that there was dissension below Brennan 
that this was not an accurate conclusion. If that gets declassified, because that's where Johnson and Grassley are going, that could be a September bombshell uh, in this. Right, explain this in more detail, because they're, they're yeah. looking to expand their hunt for the documents that would yeah. shed more light on the abuses and demanding right. evidence be turned over from the CIA and, and, the, sec- and the State Department. Uh, what exactly specifically are they looking for and what do they suspect that they that's out there that they can find? Well, you've had him on your show, and I've quoted him many times in my story. Dan Hoffman, the former CIA station chief for Moscow, one of America's premier uh, Russian spy tradecraft experts. He knows the Russians better than anyone. He has said time and again, the ICA is wrong, that there's no chance that uh, Putin was picking Trump over Clinton. His goal was to just mess up American democracy and turn everybody against each other. It wasn't an on-off help Trump hurt Hillary operation. It's not how the Russians do it. Well, we now have the evidence, right? We now know from a footnote that was declassified in the inspector general's report that the Russians intelligence service was feeding Christopher Steele dirt on Donald Trump to dirty up Donald Trump. And it was false dirt. But if you were trying to help Donald Trump win the election, like John Brennan claimed, why would you be giving Hillary Clinton dirt to smear Donald Trump? That conclusion, that ICA conclusion, I believe is going to turn out to be wrong based on the evidence, and Devin Nunez wrote a 60-page report with his staff that I think will picks it apart, takes the CIA's analysis and says, wait a second, buddies, you don't have it right. If that comes forward now, the last vestige of what Democrats have been holding on to in this whole uh, Russia collusion thing will fall like a bad bowling ball on your toe, and, and there'll be nothing that the Democrats have left in their narrative that turned out to be true. All right. That, that that to me, we already know none of it's true. We knew right. that it was it was never verifiable. But if you now go back and with this new declassified information that they actually were u- using as a ruse, this this meeting with Donald Trump, then candidate in August of 2016 and, and General Flynn, and they weren't there to brief anybody. They were there to gather information to see if they talked at all about Russia. Where, did, right. where are the origins of this fantasy? Who began all of this talk about Russia? Now that we know that under oath in the House Intelligence Committee that every single person and Clapper and Yates and everyone on down the line, uh, we know right. Strzok, we know Comey, all at different points, we've caught them all saying, yeah, we don't have anything. Well, that's a great point. And I think one of the most important things is, uh, in my book, Fallout, we wind back the date. We've all been talking about March 2015 when Mifsud meets with George Papadopoulos in that mysterious set of meetings, that that's the origins of the crossfire hurricane. Devin Nunez has been saying for a long time, no, no, I think it's earlier. I think it's December. I think he's going to turn out to be right again. Why do, we, why do I think that? In, in the book I did with Seamus Bruner, Fallout, we now know that in July 2015, the ignition point for the Russia uh, investigation, the, the uh, opposition research that eventually becomes Fusion GPS and, and uh, Christopher Steele, it's ignited in June of 2015 when Hillary Clinton's campaign does a secret poll. And that poll is designed to identify what's your biggest liability going into the election. Is it Whitewater? Was it the Asia fundraising scandal? Vince Foster's suicide? Benghazi, the email scandal. And they do this poll and they're shocked. Why? Because of all those things didn't register as the number one impediment to the presidency. It was the finding that she and her husband cashed in on the Russia policy by taking $500,000 checks. The Clinton cash stuff, the stuff that Peter Schweitzer injected into the public in his great book. That was the number one impediment to Hillary Clinton's uh, rise to the presidency. 53% of the voters in that secret poll said that was the number one reason they wouldn't vote to her. 
So they set out, according to my interviews with Clinton campaign officials, to neutralize Russia. I think you're going to find out that they started Russia opposition research in the fall of 2015 and that lots of people involved in it. Strobe Talbot's name keeps coming up. Cody Scherer's name keeps coming up. Some of these State Department officials' names keep coming up. I think the, the plot to get the president goes back earlier and a lot more people. And I think at the end of the day, Christopher Steele sort of becomes the final recipient of this research. And he's the guy that walks it in because he's got the MI6 badge in his, in his resume. I think that's where we're headed in this fall. That's what we're going to learn in this fall, Sean. You know, it's amazing. Uh, the only problem is that we keep saying, okay, we got no, all this new stuff to investigate. Based on what we already know, have confirmed, there is enough evidence to indict anybody. There, look, there was that's enough right. evidence to that's indict right. Hillary Clinton on the Espionage Act and on obstruction of justice with deleted emails and bleach bitted Absolutely. and hammers, but, but nothing happened. We've had referrals for Comey, McCabe, and, and so many others that were caught lying under oath. There's no pre-dawn raids, John Solomon, uh, with uh, 29 right. men in tactical gear and CNN cameras happening to any of them. Just the opposite. I mean, a, a part of me is looking at the breathtaking arrogance of all of the main players involved and how they're all cashing in with television contracts and book deals. And, and I, I just have to wonder to myself... Uh, because I had sources say that they're all very heavily lawyered up. I mean, yep. it almost projects a certain either a level of confidence or a level of stupidity and arrogance that they well, don't think anything's ever going to happen. If you have a lot of legal bills suddenly facing you, you need to go get more work to pay for them. So maybe some of these MSNBC consulting jobs and books they're writing are designed to pay the legal bills that they're about to incur. I get a sense from everything I'm watching, that there's an enormous amount of sh ground shaking beneath them right now. There are really tough questions being asked of witnesses right now, uncomfortable questions for people who worked inside the FBI. I think the period just before, just after Labor Day is going to period where either John Durham's going to shoot or he's going to put his gun back in the holster and go away. What I think is very important, Johnson and Grassley's hunt for documents is so, they're hitting the most sensitive stuff that there is. They're hitting the most sensitive stuff there is that the CIA and the FBI has been trying to hold on. And I believe President Trump has given the go-ahead for these agencies to say no more holding back anything Johnson and Grassley want. I want it on their desk in the next couple of weeks. That, coupled with Durham, I think is going to make for a great and interesting September in Washington. It's not going to be August. It's going to be September. Oh, I think some of it's going to happen in August, but I think the Durham, I've been saying right around Labor Day, which is September. Okay. I think Durham is kind of surfacing there. I think Grassley and Johnson could have stuff as, as early as next week. Based on what I'm hearing going on in these agencies, people were shocked when they got these right. letters this week. This is a big escalation. Got to take a break. John Solomon, fallout, uh, nuclear bribes, Russian spies, the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. Well, here we are. Now, I'd like to know before the 2020 vote what happened in the 2016 vote. All right, as we continue, John Solomon is with us, uh, justthenews.com, and his new book, Fallout, uh, on Amazon.com and uh, bookstores everywhere. All right, so walk us through what you think this process is going to be. I mean, the attorney general kind of dropped a bomb in the hearing this week when he said, oh, yeah, we will know about where we exactly are with the Durham report, but that doesn't mean we're going to convene a grand jury and, and make the indictments that I think need to be made in this case. Yeah, I think the attorney general has been incredibly consistent. He's been saying by the end of summer, the activity I'm seeing in my reporting is consistent with that. I, I think the most important words that uh, attorney general Barr uttered this week was the bogus Russia 
investigation. He called it bogus. The chief law enforcement officer of the land is calling bogus what other people foist upon us as real for years. And that, what does that mean? And why aren't these these players see? Why are they so arrogant and not look? If it was me, I think I'd shut my mouth and and exercise my right to remain silent. If I was a lot of these guys, well, you've been you've been advising them that for a long time. They didn't take your advice. Listen. The New York Times will be wrong. Sean Hannity's show will be right. Donald Trump will be right. He was spied on. The Democrats will be wrong. Devin Nunez was right. Adam Schiff was wrong. Now the final chapter uh, is going to be that there's going to be accountability. And I think the next four weeks are the weeks to watch. I think there'll be another round of revelations and documents prompted by Grassley and Johnson, followed by whatever Durham's going to do. We're going to head into the election with the answers that we've been asking for. Will we be satisfied? I think we got to wait and see what the what the grand jury says. But uh, I do think that we're headed into the final phase. All right, John Solomon, JustTheNews.com, Fallout's new book. Appreciate the update. He's been all over this since March of uh, 2017. We began this journey. Unbelievable. All right, quick break. We'll come back. And we'll get to your call straight ahead. All right, that's on Tuesday, and we've got a lot of announcements. We put them all up on uh, Hannity.com, and we're working really hard, finding ways that we're going to be able to connect with you. Uh, I view this as the tipping point election in our lifetime. I don't know. I don't believe we'll ever recover if the stated plans, agenda of Biden and Bolshevik Bernie, his economics are and his new Green Deals are AOC and Schumer and Pelosi and his guns are Bozo O'Rourke you know, the gun confiscation guy are ever implemented. Everything is at stake. Liberty, freedom, socialism versus capitalism, tax cuts, raising taxes through the roof, burdensome regulation versus a free market capitalist environment, energy independence, the judges that are appointed to the Supreme Court and other high courts. It's all in play. Amnesty, the United Sanctuary States of America or law and order and border security. How we deal with foreign countries, peace through strength or well, we'll bribe mullahs in Iran. It's all in jeopardy. And by the way, I don't even think Joe is halfway there. Uh, anyway, we put it up on uh, Hannity.com. We have a lot of events. Uh, Linda, by the way, you've done a great job. Thank you for organizing all of this. And yeah, we also have our interactive election map, too, on Hannity.com. You want to talk about those two things? So, yes, we have a bunch of stuff going on online. And, and you know, like you said, we want to keep the audience as involved as possible and, and make sure that they know what we're doing. So for, for everybody who's listening today, if you sign up for Fox Nation, I believe it's a two-year subscription, you get a copy of Sean's book. Um, there's going to be a podcast on Newt's, uh, podcast Newt's World, and then Sunday night is going to be Life, Liberty, Levin with Mark Levin. We did, and then we're Monday, doing the full hour, by the way, with Mark on Sunday night. Yeah, It's going to be awesome. And so, you know, we had all these, we had all these events planned. And just so folks know, I'm, I'm doing it as fast as I can to get all the information up for the live events for the, for the book tour. It's going to be a virtual book tour. And uh, we're going to be getting to as many cities as we can. And we're going to announce them where you can go to get your tickets, the copy of the book, etc. And the interactive map is up there so that if you need to know about early voting or what's happening in your state and who the candidates are and all that good stuff. How to stuff, do absentee balloting. Exactly. Uh, right? The mail-in voting. We want to make it's critical that you know how to do that this election because they're hoping that you make a mistake. So we want to make sure that you don't. So all that information is going to be on Hannah.com. I'll be updating it all weekend. So check it out and definitely get your copy of Live for Your Die. It's on sale now and goes live on Tuesday the 4th. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And my first book in 10 years um, it's amazing. We have so many good friends and they've all, you know, we, we've now given the book to select people. Um, it's embargoed till Tuesday. 
and um, the feedback has been phenomenal. But to me, you know, I wish I could get into the detail. The reason that I decided over a year ago, and the working title originally was Live Free or America Dies, and I put that in Latin at the very bottom of the cover, is because I just knew this was turning into the biggest choice election. I didn't know that that Joe, I always thought, kind of believed that, you know, well, first, could Joe survive? And if he did, you know, embracing Bolshevik Bernie's economy? Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, AOC's New Green Deal madness? Uh, Beto, Bozo O'Rourke as his, his guns are? What has Joe Biden done in 47 years in the swamp that you can say is successful? Because I can give you chapter and verse, and as a matter of fact, that's in the book of what Donald Trump has done in less than four years. And it, to, to see the, the, the group that he is now empowered as his kitchen cabinet, if you will, and the policies he's stating, they will destroy the country as we know it. You know, no energy? Really? Oh, okay. The lifeblood of the world's economy. You really believe everything's going to be free? Do you really believe government, the, the AOC, New Green Deal, free, 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 from the minute you're born to the minute you die? Yeah, but you know what the problem is, Sean? It's the definition of free. What does that actually mean? I can answer that. that. That's the crux of that. Every time you look for security from government, you give up your freedom. And by the way, in my my chapter, The History of Socialism, designed after the rise of radicals and the Democrats' Fantasyland 2020 agenda, I go into chapter and verse, the words that they're using and the things they're promising, guess what? It was all, all these things have been tried and failed in spectacular fails in the past. And from the Bolshevik revolution to Mao's revolution to, you know, look at East Germany versus West Germany. You, we, the people can stop this. You're the ultimate jury in 95 days. This, this vote will matter. Uh, anyway, up on Hannity.com. And uh, all the stuff that we're doing and places you can come and, and join us for special events is up there. Uh, I give a credit to Linda, our entire team. They've been working so hard on this. We've been, we have Greg Jarrett's interview with him for Fox Nation. We're doing the great one, Mark Levin, on Sunday night, Life, Liberty, Levin. Uh, we're going to be doing Bill O'Reilly. We've done so many of our talk radio friends. We did Mark Simone today. We've, I can't even mention everybody anymore. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's, I'm in a fog. But wonderful friends, Newt's podcast, that was a very personal interview with me and Newt. We go back to 1990. We give our history. I'll tell you the impact. I I talk in that interview the impact that he had on me and how he made me a smarter person. He made me crave more knowledge and intellect and and help help develop a plan for me to get there. Um, And anyway, it's this is a big moment for the country, for our kids and our grandkids. Anyway, uh, let's go to our phones. All the information on Hannity.com. Let's say hi to it's MJ in Florida. Boy, we'll be watching Florida really closely, especially Broward and Palm Beach County in 95 days. How are you, MJ? Uh, Semper Fi, Sean. I- uh, well, thank you, for, thank you for being with us. We appreciate you, uh, all my friends down was, in Florida. I, the good news is I, I, I hear thinking- that we have a flattening of the curve. Now, when you have the flattening meaning cases are beginning, new cases are reducing, and you have an increase in the debt, that usually means that if the pattern holds, then you have a, a decline, and then you have a precipitous decline. If, if the pattern holds, that's what we're hoping now in the next couple of weeks for Florida. Yeah, well, we're getting a lot, 
a lot more cases being reported because of testing, but we have a lot uh, younger people that are not having very many uh, uh, symptoms, so pretty much asymptomatic at this point. Symptomatic at this point. Yeah. Well, Governor DeSantis, from the beginning, protected the elderly population. He deserves a lot of credit because, let me just say this, the number of deaths in Florida don't match even just one of the worst days in New York because of the idiotic executive order about nursing homes in New York. DeSantis did the opposite. He protected the elderly population in Florida. And we have a huge uh, elderly population, especially down where I live. And um, I just wanted to say, when you were mentioning Newt Gingrich, perhaps we should do another contract with America like you guys did back in 1994. We have plenty of time to do it. I know it was usually done during a you know, t- uh, midterm election. But I think if Trump did uh, a contract with America, maybe even in particular black America, where he can say, instead of what the hell do you have to lose, how about what the hell do you have to gain? And really spell out the opportunity zones and all the wonderful things that he's doing for our country, all of us collectively, and how the Democrats try to do it divisively. Well, it's sad that this is, you know, what they do every two, four years. We saw it on on display. You know, it's funny, I had a couple of friends of mine say to me, you know, you've been talking about this for years, and you said at the beginning of the year that this is going to happen, and... There it happens. He goes, how, they go, how do you know? I said, it's not hard to figure out. It's the same playbook every two and four years. It doesn't change. And um, but their policies, it might have worked electorally, but those policies in these cities that we talk about, well, what have they done for safety, security, law, order and education? How's that Obamacare thing working out? You know, it's it's sad. We are one united people. One, as the president says in his rallies, one glorious nation under God. We're supposed to work together. If you want to pursue happiness, you need safety, security, law, order, and you need an education to, to, to have a shot. And we're denying so many of our fellow Americans that shot, and these idiots keep getting reelected. It drives me nuts. All right, MJ, thank you. Arizona Rich will be watching you, too, in uh, 95 days. Arizona's crucial this year. John, thanks for having me on. And, and just to tell you a little bit about myself, I, I, I was in law enforcement for 32 and a half years, seven and a half with the New York City Transit Police Department and 25 years with the Tucson Police Department. And what I wanted to talk about today is what's not being told, the things, the good things that cops do every day. That's a great point. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Yeah, I, you know, even, listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm glad we were right. And we've been vindicated over and over again. And we're about to have a lot more vindication uh, as it relates to everything that the seventh floor, the, those that abuse power that were corrupt and are and the premier law enforcement agency in the, in the entire world and the premier intelligence agencies in the entire world. Um, but I always made a distinction, didn't I, uh, Rich, about the 99 percent and the one percent. The same with police. Absolutely. The George yeah, Floyd and, and, you know, cop was was the one percent. That's not the ninety nine percent. And you know, Sean, uh, some of the things I'll tell you some of the things that we did in Tucson. Every year for Christmas, we had a shop with a cop, and these these were police officers. This wasn't mandated by the agency. This is something we did as police officers for our community, and it was the minority community. And every year, we would sponsor uh, three hundred kids underprivileged kids and spend 150 bucks on each kid 
to do Christmas shopping with them. During the holidays, we provided food baskets for, for poor people. During school, we, we supplied back-to-school supplies. We, we also did fingerprinting for young kids with the fear that if they were ever kidnapped or gone missing, we'd have an, a way to identify them. We had their medical records, so if they needed medications, we could get medications for them. There were so many things that we were doing. I mean, Sean, when you look at it, most, a lot of police officers work 10-hour shifts. We spend more of our waking hours in the communities that we serve than we do with our family. Just think about it. I had law enforcement in my family, extended cousins, everybody, so many people. I nearly became a New York police officer myself. Nobody, I've told the story, but I haven't told it lately. But my mom worked 16 hours pretty much every day for you know entire adult life as a prison guard. My dad, yeah. a family court probation guy with a, a waiter on the weekends. You know, the, the law enforcement I knew were dedicated, they were willing to risk their lives to serve and protect the community and the, and the communities they served. And it's not an easy job. And by the way, an arrest on video when anyone's resisting in any way pro- is never going to look good. Never. Um, but with that said, then you have that 1%. Look, look at the result of what, what happened in the George Floyd case. That can't happen again. These guys need more training. We don't need less money. We need more training for police. So, you know, I've talked about this before. Tell me how much training you got, Rich, because I train. I've been in mixed martial arts now for seven years. I'm just a student, but somebody in handcuffs, if I manipulate two two little fingers a certain way, not breaking them, just I will have full compliance. The man was screaming, I can't breathe, sir. Sir. He kept saying, sir. The crowd is saying, you're killing this man. Stop. He was in handcuffs. You didn't need to put your foot on his neck, the most vulnerable part of the human anatomy. And But, but with that said, that does not justify what where we are now and rocks and bricks and bottles and Molotov cocktails and knives and guns and, and canes and bats and hockey sticks and frozen water bottles either. That doesn't justify the 2,000 cops hurt in all of this. We can't have that. I'll give you the last word. No. And, you know, when you talk about uh, what our training is, is we have the Arizona uh, uh, Post. It's the uh, police officers standing in training. And they mandate the training that we have to do every year, so many hours every year. And it's called advanced officer training, firearms training, defensive tactics training, uh, training in, in new laws that come up, um, force continuum. You start out with uh, talk, trying to talk someone down. Then it comes to, to empty hand control, soft hand control. Then you go to impact weapons. You go to pepper spray. And the last thing is deadly physical force. And you know about pressure points and things like that. That's all part of the force continuum that police officers are trained. And I'm sure you know about that through your martial arts training, about all of that stuff. Listen, I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm a novice, really, it's compared to some of the people I train with. And by the way, the greatest thing about people that teach firearm instruction or, or martial arts instruction, they love sharing their knowledge, their passion. It's a passion. But uh, anyway, you know, we need more. And we need more support for police. The 99% like on 9-11 or the, when Steve Scalise was shot, going into an open ball field as a target. Heroes, all of them. That's going to wrap things up for today. All right, so we'll have on Hannity.com. We have our interactive map. Okay, when does early voting start in your state? Who is running for Congress, Senate in your state? Live free or die, America and the world on the brink. All the different events we're doing. We're doing Greg Jarrett on Fox Nation. The great one, Mark Levin on Sunday. Life, Liberty, Levin. 
Newt Gingrich's Podcast Sunday, all available, all the details, Hannity.com, back here on Book Launch Week on Monday. And as always, thank you for being with us. Thank you.